0: Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk today on the show. How should turning 60 change how you invest? Our very own Tom Stevenson is closing in on that milestone and has some wisdom to pass on. That's our focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Any birthday ending in a zero tends to focus the mind. Turning 60 in particular has resonance, perhaps because it coincides with traditional ideas of when work stops, and retirement begins. These days, however, the transition to retirement is not quite as straightforward as it once was, and investing through that period poses particular challenges. Thankfully, we have a contributor on the front line of that issue. Tom Stevenson is himself approaching the milestone of his sixtieth birthday. Uh, Tom, welcome, and a very warm, if preemptive, happy birthday to you. Um, you've been writing this week, haven't you, Tom? About how you are yourself. Approaching uh, investing after the age of sixty, um, the first question I suppose is: Have you noticed anything about this birthday, which is upcoming, that has made you think a bit harder about those things, comparing it to say earlier birthdays in your life?
1: Yes. Well, thanks for your kind wishes, Ed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I guess that I have noticed some differences. I mean, I think when when you're approaching uh, sixty, as I am, then you, you know, you're obviously more aware of, of the clock ticking. And I think in investment terms, that is significant, because clearly, there is less time to make good mistakes. And we often talk about, you know, you know, if you're investing for children, you know, what 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 should you be thinking about? And we always say, you know, well, there is, you know, they have the luxury of time, you know, they can make good their mistakes. And clearly, you know, when you're 60, um, you have much less time to, to, to make good good mistake. So I think that, that that probably leads on to the second um, uh, observation, which is that I think you become naturally more risk averse as time goes yeah, by. Yeah, I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. And and then, and then I guess the final um, thing I'd say is that you start to think differently about the, the balance of um, um, growth and income requirements from, from your portfolio. I mean, you know, when you're 30 and 40, you're just thinking about growth, you're just thinking about building a pot. Um, And that's the only consideration. And, And I think when you get to 60, it becomes a more nuanced thing because, you know, with luck and a fair wind, you know, you still do have long enough to need to be concerned about growth. Yeah. But you're also starting to think about income,
0: yeah. And and one of the one of the things that's often said in in connection with um, different ages of investors is their attitude to risk. And it's almost as though I think the investment industry can talk in terms of people suddenly, as they get older, just get a bit more wary and cautious about the world. And it's a kind of ephemeral sort of internal change. It's not really, is it? It's to do with wider circumstances and actually the the realities of. What you need your money to do, that's what can affect your attitude to risk. you haven't become a much more cautious person by nature
1: yeah, I think I think it's a bit of both actually. I think you do naturally become more cautious as, as you as you get older, you know I mean you drive more slowly and et cetera <laughs> I mean it's true you know you do yeah. you do become aware more aware of what can go wrong. Um, but I think there is just a very practical reason for this you know that that um, you simply can't afford to um, to make big mistakes you know it's the Warren Buffett yeah. thing of you know rule number one in investing don't lose money and and he's right and and you know when you're twenty five it actually doesn't matter if you lose a bit of money for a couple of reasons one because you've got lots of time and two um because
0: um well you 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 haven't got so much at stake yeah and and and, and actually those losses early in your investing sort of journey give you opportunities to buy i mean if you've got lots of your buying ahead of you rather than behind you yeah you want prices to be low and that's yeah that's just the reality right yeah yeah absolutely Um, um okay we'll just use this moment to go through some of the options that people have when it comes to um using their long-term savings for, for an income, uh, because that's going to be a very relevant question. I mean, the, the age of 60, probably people should have thought about this before now. And, you know, by, you know, the fact that you're here talking to me, Tom, means that you have not actually stopped working yet. So clearly work is still uh, going to be, uh, you know, happening for lots of people at the age of 60. But... Um, Okay, these options for income at retirement. You don't have to anymore hand all your money over to buy an annuity. That pretty much was the norm uh, for a long time. You can instead stay invested and produce your income through a combination of investment growth, selling assets, producing income from those assets, but you can hang on to that money. You can do that via drawdown or by taking lump sums. Um, How much of your investing plans now, Tom, are affected about affected by what you're eventually going to do in terms of income are you sort of sort of retrofitting your decisions now based on what you think you're going to be doing in probably 15 20 years when you are thinking 100 percent about income
1: yeah well I mean you highlighted you know a key point there which is that I am still working and so therefore I do still have an income from employment and I think that that's that is really uh, crucial because I think that that is probably the big psychological shift and actually i know that we've we've talked about this in the past um with regard to i think your parents you know they're saying that when you stop work there is a big psychological shift in terms of your risk um tolerance um and 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 it does change so so i'm not yet there yet and so i think that that is that is important but i am starting to think more about you know what the income options are and fortunately We've actually moved into a phase in in the cycle where there are many more options than than there used to be. So yeah. we've talked on you know these pods in the, in the past about about some of them you know you know bonds, money market funds, even cash deposits, mm-hmm. um, annuities. There are so many different ways in which you can generate an income of uh, four or five percent, which a few years ago you you, you simply uh, couldn't. So. Yeah, I mean, in answer to your to your question, yes, I am thinking a lot more about those, and I think that probably that it will start to shape the the um, the composition of my portfolio. That there will be a bigger mixture of those
0: growth and income options than there has been. So we're building a picture now of of uh, you know an investing sort of you know portfolio, however you want to term it, where there's you're limiting downside. That's that's an, that's a priority. You're having a nice mix, presumably. Um, of all sorts of different different assets, and in terms of how those investments fit into your wider finances, there is a bigger mix. There, that's it, it's sort of a diversification of 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 not just investments but all all your finances really.
1: Yes, um, and and that's true, and and I think actually this is a good moment to mention the the piece that I that I wrote because I sort of I was I was looking forward to um, you know twenty years ahead and and thinking well actually you know obviously no no investor has a crystal ball it's very difficult to 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 make a a sensible assessment of what the options are going to be because you don't know so. What you can do, of course, is to look back. So, you know, history is not a guide to the future. We're always told that. But actually, as an investor, it's probably the only thing that you've got. So I looked back over that 20 year period. I mean, it was actually it was was an 18, uh, 18 year period because I didn't want to go back exactly 20 years because that that was back to the bottom of the, the bear market that followed the the implosion of the dot-com
0: yeah.
1: uh, bubble. It just seemed like a, it seemed like too a, <laughs> too convenient a time to to, to go back. Exactly. So I went back 18 years and actually 18 years is a good period of time because if you throw that forward, you know, I'll be 78 in in 18 years time and actually that feels like a time, you know, we talked about that moment when you start really being more concerned about generating an income than you are about, about growth, that feels like the sort of age when you would be thinking that you know your your appetite for taking big risks is, is diminished uh, anyway. So so that's why I went back 18 years. But it was really fascinating to look. So what I did was I I, I wanted to answer three questions. I wanted to, to to look at you know the geographical spread of a portfolio. What was likely to work? I wanted to think about you know should i be an active or passive and i wanted to think about funds funds or shares and um uh, and i guess that you know the 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 conclusion that came out of all of those was you know a it really matters <laughs> the choices that you make but b those choices are really difficult so i mean the the geographical split for example was was w- was really interesting so you know i looked at you know what if you put 100 pounds in in various different markets and the 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 dispersion of results is enormous you know 100 pounds in uh european shares uh 18 years ago 2005 140 pounds today so not that impressive really uk 156 uh emerging markets 180 Surprised me. Japan, same amount, £100, would have grown to £290, so twice as good as the UK. Interesting. The US, £370. And if you'd really narrowed your focus to the the NASDAQ, you know, because of the influence of technology stocks, £630. What a massive divergence that is. Um, So what that tells me is we have no clue what the next 18 years holds, <laughs> yeah. no clue at all. Yeah. So really, it's an argument for, for, for diversification. And similar things came out of, of my other, you know, the other analyses of, um, you know, active and passive and funds or shares, frankly.
0: Yeah. So uh, really, it's, I mean, everything changes, but everything stays the same. Yes, it, it's, you know, your, your priorities and your outlook might change, but actually it's those old principles of, of diversification that still matter, right?
1: Yes and no, because I I mean, I I had to think about the psychology of this, actually, and um, it it felt to me like um, my head was telling me one thing and my heart was telling me something else and uh, sort of magical thinking that (laughs) that we all have, you know, uh, the sort of, you know premium bond jackpot thinking. Um, all of those things are, are still, still there. Um, because when I looked at funds, I, I looked at, you know, should I be investing in funds or shares? And of course, when you do the analysis there, you look at the funds and you see, well, you know, uh, the best performing actively managed funds actually outperform um, the benchmark indices by a significant amount and you think well I'm invested in lots of those actively managed funds so that's great I don't want to not be your head is saying look you have no idea which of these actively managed funds are going to perform so why don't you just buy a global tracker but that doesn't feel right and then the magical thinking kicks in and you think you know 18 years ago would I have invested in in Amazon well I might have done because, you know, I yeah. was buying books off Amazon. I could see that it was a great business. Yeah. And £100 in Amazon is nearly £6,000. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> so I, th- I suspect that actually it's the, the conclusion is not simply, well, I'm just going to be very well diversified. I think the conclusion is I'm going to have a sensible amount in the safer options. Yeah. But I want to have a bit
0: of that, you know, option money, the potential, the excitement. <laughs> and, and just finally then, Tom, I mean you're clearly up for being engaged in all these decisions. It's been part of your life up to now. So uh, it's, it's no surprise that that's going to continue. But do you think that will continue all the way through your retirement? Or do you actually envisage a moment in which you say, actually, I'm going to take as much risk off the table as I can. It's going to be all about income and the legacy and what, what comes after. And actually, I, I'm not going to be bothered with the ups and downs of the market.
1: I think, I think it, it, again, I don't think it's, you know, clear cut and black and white. I think that probably what happens over time is that you start to de-risk enough of whatever you've managed to accumulate that you don't risk uh, a, a serious deterioration in your lifestyle. So you have enough so that, you know, if things do go pear-shaped you know you're going to be okay Um, and maybe that means that at the age of 75 you buy an annuity to cover you know all of your foreseeable costs something like that and then you keep a then you keep a a, another pot where you do it because you're interested and it's stimulating and you enjoy it yeah
0: so I think it's a mixture yeah it's a fascinating topic actually this whole this whole uh, investing through retirement question um, it just throws up lots and lots of interesting sort of challenges doesn't it and uh, you, you know we we spoke recently about uh, we, we answer questions as part of our activity around our investment outlook and one of those was around well what if you're not sixty but what if you're eighty you know what counts as a long-term time horizon then and and it's a really really good question isn't it You or, sh- or we should always be I guess constantly asking ourselves well, what are we in this for What do we want to happen and what do we really not want to happen with our money?
1: Yeah, and it changes over time, you know. I mean, clearly, you know, how I view the world now is different from how I viewed it when I was 40. And it will be very
0: different in 20 years time, if God willing, I'm still here. (laughs) Oh, there's no doubt about that. (laughs) Um, Look, uh, Tom, that is really all the time we have for now. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing all of that. Thank you. Thanks, Ed.